everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of mission.org, and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. It's fair to say that Crocs has had its share of highs and lows over the past 20 years. People have loved them, they've hated them, but there is no disputing that the shoes have become ubiquitous time and time again. But what has it been like to be inside the Crocs car on this crazy roller coaster ride? And how has the company found ways to win over and over and come back bigger than ever? I got to dive into all of this with Felice Papich, the VP of Digital Product and Consumer Experience at Crocs. Felice has more than 15 years of experience in the e-commerce world, and she's been helping Crocs reach new digital heights around the globe, with digital sales projected to hit $2.5 billion and make up 50% of revenue. She explains all this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities? or little discussed financial trends, or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness. Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Elise, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yep. So for anyone who is listening to this, there are many Crocs behind Felice, and they're all beautiful (laughs) colors, and it's like such a good highlight of where we're about to go in this interview today. Perfect. (laughs) Great. Yeah, it's absolutely, you know, it's great to have all the different types of shoes and fun colors and collabs, all that stuff. So I would love to hear what inspired you to join Crocs? Like, I just want to kind of hear about this journey. I saw how many years you were in marketing and management, and then to see you jump over to Crocs, I'm like, what was that pull? (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, an old colleague reached out He and I had worked together on different projects throughout the years and asked me if I wanted to start the product or digital product discipline at Crocs. And it felt like a really exciting time to be a part of the brand as it was kind of picking up momentum and did more research on the leadership team that was behind Crocs and driving the change that was happening with the brand and 
felt like it was a really great place to be and a good moment to be with the brand as it was kind of propelling into the future. So that was really kind of, I'd say, pulling me in. And um, then I met everybody through the interviews and conversations, and it just became something that felt right and clicked and have been here ever since. Amazing. I mean, I always look at Crocs and I think, best comeback story, I mean, of a brand (laughs) because they were so popular. And then it's like, you didn't really hear of them for a little while. And then they're back. And so you essentially were joining when they were kind of like on the way back up, right? Right. Yeah. It was starting to pick up some momentum. They had had the Balenciaga collab on the runway and things were starting to, to change in the conversation around the footwear brand. So it was an exciting time to kind of step in and see what it could do. Yeah. Did your experience at previous companies help kind of like lead you to this role or tell me a bit about your past before joining Crocs? Yeah, I've been lucky enough to be with brands that are kind of at the forefront of their direct to consumer, I'd say transition or change as they moved into it. So I was with Deckers very early on in my career and had the opportunity to see the UGG brand move into the digital space and then be a part of it when Hoka came to life. So it was a nice time to kind of see as budgets shift and resources shift and mindset shifts towards the digital space. It's a fun time to be a part of a brand in that moment and see what it can do, see the changes move really quickly with the brands. Um, so that that's kind of been the nice part is to be a part of the early stage and, and see the transition firsthand. Then you can kind of see the fun part of the growth, the accelerated growth, and all the new people that get to be brought on the team and you can learn from each one of them. So I'd say that's probably the most exciting part of my history. And then um, on the agency side, we have the opportunity to be observers. You don't, you're not actually one-to-one on that culture standpoint. You see different types of teams, leadership, all of that aspect as you work with each different kind of company and you get to kind of see what you want to develop in your own organization on the in-house side of things. So I've had both sides and and love seeing both elements of, of my career on that. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it was really interesting reading about the goals that are set around Crocs right now. I mean, do you ever feel a little bit intimidated? I, I saw a number that I think your digital channels are going to reach. And I'm just gonna say going to like manifesting that for you guys as well. 2.5 billion, which I was like, billion? <laughs> and it'll be 50% yeah. of your total revenue. So that'll be like your digital efforts, which I didn't even apparently realize how big Crocs is, but like, how did you feel coming into that and seeing these like very lofty goals of not only growing digital to that much, but then also the company like growing overall as well? It's exciting. And as you mentioned, intimidating, but we have such an incredible team and you have such incredible support that you watch leadership, you watch everyone have these conversations with complete faith and confidence about the brand, the team that's able to get there. So you actually just start to go into a rhythm. You're like, yeah, $2.5 billion. That's what we're going to hit. That's what this team is capable of. And that's what this brand is capable of. So we've been fortunate enough to have that guidance and leadership where it feels like just an everyday conversation of, I'd say, achievements that this team can utilize. And then we're able to have this, the I'd say, the toolbox to get there. So this team is supported with resources, uh, with, you know, opportunity the right conversations to have to get there across the board. So there's never a moment in which you feel like you don't have the resources to push those boundaries and achieve those goals that we're we're driving towards. And we're still making great headway every single day. 
So yeah, yeah. So why was like, when and why did digital become such a priority? Like when was that shift? And why are you all betting on that so heavily? Yeah, I think Crest has always been a digital first brand ever since I've arrived, at least I've always seen the conversation be very focused around the digital space. And I think that's just because the brand is so focused on our consumer and how important they are to us. So if you look at the digital space, you have that opportunity to have that one-to-one conversation with the customer immediately. So within seconds, you have feedback from the customer and you can understand what they need from you and you can make changes to how you're showing up for them. I'd say we've always had that perspective. And then We've always been very flexible and adaptable in market with the consumer. So again, digital just kind of lends itself initially to that conversation right off the bat for the brand. And then we were very digital focused before the pandemic, but obviously the pandemic for every brand made us think harder, how we could get smarter, how we could get quicker, how we could really let the customer self-service because every customer's needs were more, I'd say more vast and and different um, as we went through this period of time. So focusing and leaning into digital, not only let us learn from them quickly, but also let us provide different opportunities for them to self-service, choose their path on how to engage with us. And that was kind of, I'd say like the really, how we really propelled um, and how the consumer really saw that opportunity to to engage with us one-to-one and us to them one-to-one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when everything's moving so quickly like that, I love to hear stories around like what tests went well and you're still doing it today. And what were things where you're like, oh, we we moved a little too quick on that one. <laughs> and we probably, you know, should have thought that through. So any any stories to kind of highlight those quick efforts that you've been making over the past couple of years? Yeah. Um, I think free shoes is probably our most notable beginning of the pandemic. Our CEO had this great idea to give free Crocs to health workers and It was this great moment in which we were able to spin this up within five days, service our community that was asking for it. So family members, uh, specific members were all asking for Crocs during this time. We were able to do it. We ended up donating. I think we ended up with 20,000 pairs a day. Um, We ran this for two months. And then we have continued to do this initiative. It's something we bring back every single year. And we do it during Nurses Week in May with the brand. And so it's something that has now become a very special part of this brand in a moment that we really get to come back to every year. But within five days, we were able to put all the technology up, service this community and keep it running for a long period of time inside the pandemic. So I'd say that was our most exciting moment uh, that's kind of stayed with the brand. Uh, And then things that didn't go well, I think we (laughs) tried a lot of new technology. We tried to innovate. We tried to move quickly Um, And some stuff worked and some stuff didn't. We, I think you see that all the time with digital. So it wasn't anything that was necessarily new to us, but we definitely had our moments of experimentation that the customer responded to and and sometimes they didn't. So there's, there's those moments for sure. Yeah. Do you care to share any details around some of those? Like one that maybe sticks out to you? I mean, I ask these questions because I feel like there's so many good lessons in the failures, that's like, at least if someone knows, knows these like things that have happened, they can maybe be like, I'll choose a different path next time, or I'm going to, you know, not do that. (laughs) So are there any stories that you can share? Yeah, I think, you know, coming out of the initial part of the pandemic, right, where it was, you know, um, lockdown was intensified. And we tried to launch a lot of technology, um, pretty big investments, I would say, we tried to kind of just lean into all of that. And we didn't, I think, scope properly the amount of time uh, that these 
technologies would take to implement. So we thought, oh, we can invest in this stuff. We have the time, we have the innovation, we have the moment with our customer. And then we ended up trying to invest in too much at one time. And so we ended up kind of that taking too long to get there because we were investing in so much. So instead of focusing, iterating, and moving, we we took quite a bit of time to launch, I'd say, bigger projects that we probably could have split up in pieces and, and reduced our ambition a little bit on that side of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely a theme that I've heard, especially with all the new technologies that are out right now. And it's like so tempting yeah. to want to be like, I'm going to try a little bit of this and this and this. And I mean, how do you and your team stay focused to like still dabble maybe and understand what's going on around you without being so ambitious where you're like, oh, shoot, I just like took on about, you know, 10 years worth of projects in six months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it always goes back to something that's not new, but it's something that you have to always remind yourself of is the MVP. It's so making sure that you circle back to not trying to launch every feature inside of this new opportunity or trying to make the scale so massive that it accounts for every use case that you can think of is to keep things small at first and get it out in market and then let that tool allow you to learn so that you can sit there and say, okay, this is what the consumer is telling us about this feature. This is what they want from it. Uh, And then making those modifications instead of trying to scope it all off the bat, launching it and then realizing it might not work with the consumer. You might have to make changes and then you just spent six months out of market trying to launch something. So I'd say being focused on the MVP and then prioritization, always prioritizing. Like It has to happen every day on our team because the market shifts so much. The needs of the commercial teams shift so much that if you're not looking at your backlog every day, if you're not reprioritizing or having those conversations and being adaptable, then you're going to miss an opportunity because you're so focused on the stuff that's happening in a month. And then you don't have the ability to move with the market. Yeah, that's great. What are you hearing from your customers right now? Because I'm still so interested in like, how did Crocs come back? Like, it's probably just not good technology. It's, I mean, there must have been some working with the customers to figure out like, okay, what do you all really want? What would you describe as like the biggest maybe lever of that comeback story? And then what are you hearing today from customers that maybe is making you even pivot some more? I think it's listening. We've always been a brand that listens and we just stepped that up. So we, our fans are the most amazing fan base. I have never worked for an organization where fans just love the brand, the core, and they do with Crocs. And so we wouldn't be doing them a service if we didn't listen to them and hear them about what they want and engage them in those conversations. So on Instagram, we'll send them surveys about which gibbets they want to see next, which are our charms that go on our shoes. And then we'll have conversations um, with them about their online features of if whether it's easy for them to participate with us in a brand and procure their shoes. And so it's always those moments of listening to the consumer, which I think is what has made this brand so successful, is actually hearing them, making changes based on their feedback, and then moving with them and kind of taking that feedback and saying, are we speaking to them in a manner that resonates or do we need to make modifications to how we show up to them in each different space that they're in with us? So I'd say that's kind of the biggest moment for this brand. And you're always hearing that they love their Crocs. And so we kind of make sure that we play into that as a brand, that every consumer can come as they are 
and they can be who they are when they're wearing our shoes. And we really kind of make sure that that comes first and foremost in every time or every channel that we speak to our customer. How do you know if you should listen to what they're asking for? And why I'm asking <laughs> this question is because yesterday I was talking to the CMO of Go Go Squeeze. I don't know if you're a mom, but like those squeeze. Yeah. Okay. So I was talking to him <laughs> and he was like, you know, we've made a couple changes before that was kind of like customer driven where they, I think they started doing new designs on the packaging for like holidays and back to school. And he was like, bad idea. It didn't work. Like personalizing that incremental <laughs> improvement wasn't helpful. And so how do you know, like what to actually listen to <laughs> that'll work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very good point. I think it's numbers when you when you think about the feedback. You have to kind of make sure that you're collecting it in multiple channels so that you're speaking to all your different consumers and then how many people are asking for it. So I think that's how we kind of look to the requests from our fans is do we have it from multiple areas, multiple different types of consumers and different channels? And is it often? So I think a good example of that is the Lightning McQueen cars collab. People have been asking for that to come back for years and years and years. And it is like every time you'll do a collaboration that's wildly different, everyone's like, where's Lightning McQueen? So the brand listened, brought it back. Everyone was in love with it. And it was this great moment for the brand. So it's always that consistency of how much we're getting that feedback from the consumer and how often and where I think is the important note to take because yeah, some people may just want something on a personal level, which is great, but um, hard to, hard to service everybody that way. Yeah. I want my boyfriend's face on the shoe. Come on, just make this possible. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why we're looking at um, customization too, because if you do want that, then we hope we can provide that avenue for you too, without making, you know, a hundred million pairs of that product. Yeah. Are you able to now customize shoes or is that something you're kind of like looking into? Yeah, so you can um, for larger orders. Uh, we have a we haven't moved into the one to one space yet, but you can for like twenty four pairs or over. You can do a custom work. You can upload an image, which is again what makes Crocs so special is that we are able to print on top of our shoes because of the material and it's very quick and something we can turn around to you. So exciting moments that we're having there in the custom space and really excited about what we can offer. We can do custom gibbets and custom shoes. So it's going to be, I think, an exciting thing to watch as, as we move forward with that. That's cool. I'm going to have to get some mission branded Crocs yes. for my team. <laughs> yes. Pretty sure they'd all be on board with that. So that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. So I saw you were, you all also had a couple like celebrity partnerships. I think it was like Bieber and Nicki Minaj and Post Malone. And this is something that I get to talk about, you know, quite a bit on the show. And I always hear kind of like mixed responses on, you know, what is the long-term value of a celebrity partner or is it the micro-influencers who are better? And so I want to kind of hear, you know, how did those work um, if there's enough time to even like accurately look at it? And how are you thinking about, you know, either stepping into that or not going forward? Yeah, I would say that, you know, in my area, I don't specifically deal with those particular partnerships, but I would say that they are organic and it is something that comes to the brand via partners that love the brand and want to work with the brand. So whether it's an influencer or a celebrity, I 
I don't think matters. It's because they love Crocs and that love transcends into the marketing, into the digital space, into our availability to tell the story because it is unique and it is something that's special to them. Um, if you think about like Post Malone, like he loves Crocs and he always has. And so those have been great moments that we've had with each member, whether celebrity or influencer, it's just because of their, their love for the brand. And that translates into every avenue, whether that's social or the digital space or the app, all of that kind of ties into it. Yeah. Yeah. So then that could apply to large celebrities or the micro influencers who maybe have like a thousand true fans that you can get in front of and yeah, got it. Okay. Did they get to design their own shoe or what did that look like behind the scenes? Yes. It's a a very collaborative process. And so we want to make sure obviously that either the influencer or the artist is very happy with what's coming to market and they love it. So it's a collaborative process with our, our team and theirs to make sure that what comes to market is again, you know, something where they can come as they are and they can be, you know, self-expression of themselves inside of that collab that we have with them. Hey there, are you enjoying the show so far? Well, imagine your company's advertising placed right in this very spot during a future interview with another elite e-commerce mind. Imagine your messaging and logo directly connected to the industry's most prominent innovators and thought leaders, distributed across every major podcast platform and social network. Yeah, well, it's time to stop imagining. Learn how you can partner with Upnext in Commerce and sponsor this very show. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and let's have a conversation. Okay, so I want to shift gears a bit to talking about your thoughts on like globalization because I saw a stat that like India for a little while there was one of your fastest growing markets. And that's an area, I mean, I'm so interested in India right now of just what's going to happen (laughs) in that space. I mean, they're going to be like taking over the internet soon. They're going to be like the majority of customers. And I just want to hear how you all go about, you know, working with different markets and staying relevant in them while also meeting their specific needs and what your thoughts are just on that in general. Yeah. India is an incredible market for us, for Crocs. I think the style of footwear is something that the consumer gravitates towards. And we've been making really big strides to develop our team there and make sure that we expand the opportunity for the consumer to get product there. Other than that, we see incredible opportunity in all of our markets. So we have teams inside of Amsterdam that run all of our websites inside of EMEA. So that we have a ton of opportunity for growth inside of multiple markets, Germany being a really big one for us. And then inside of Asia, we have a bunch of opportunity there too. And so you see the brand growing in different at different rates at uh, with different types of consumers in all these different markets. And then we have great growth in Brazil as well. So you kind of see this interesting moment where Crocs is, like, is growing with different consumers across the board. And then you see it starting to pick up in China again, which is great for the brand that we're loving to see that. So it's amazing to watch it grow in in different areas and we're excited to see what it can do. And we think about every market as an investment and as a priority. So we don't say that all our money goes to one market or we think, you know, North America is so large with the consumer that we only focus there. We try and make sure that we're putting resources, time and energy towards every single market so that we can service the consumer that's asking for us, which is really important as you think of globalization. Yeah. So how are you adjusting your marketing messages and, you know, the products? I mean, what does that look like behind the scenes trying to meet all of these markets and uh, meet the consumers where they are? Like, are you like, yeah, what does that look like? 
Yeah. So I'd say like personalization is key, right? Because you're looking at all these different markets and you're, you have different types of consumers are consumer ranges like across the board. And so being able to actually target the right message to that consumer based on behavior, where they're coming from, and even modifying that by region or market is going to be, I'd say, critical as we move forward. And then first-party data, another one that enables us to know more about each consumer in each region. So actually taking that in. So we're moving towards launching a CDP with Salesforce, and that's going to help us really understand more about each consumer in each market of like how we actually message them. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not like we talk about sandals at this time or we talk about the classic clog another time. It's how we take the market's feedback, the consumer purchases, the behaviors, and actually make different marketing plans for each market and region. And then that's obviously tied to our anchor points and our brand moments that we want to speak to across the board to keep everything unified. But that's kind of, I'd say, the critical moment is really, again, taking and ingesting all of that data from the consumer and letting them tell us how they want the message to be and what they want that message to be and not us determining that in our own without their information. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Are there any trends that you see or have seen that you're surprised by where you're like, you know, India wants this and Brazil wants this. And we kind of had to like shift our entire product line to try and meet them. Or like, what are some trends that you're seeing right now? Yeah. You know, the thing that's kind of wonderful about Crocs is that we do keep our catalog pretty tight and uh, pretty small. So you don't see this heavy flux of, you know, variation because the brand stays very true to its DNA and the product catalog stays very focused So we actually don't see a lot of variation between regions uh, and markets. We actually see consumers really gravitate towards what they're seeing from the brand and what they like. And obviously the classic clog is, you know, the number one seller and everybody loves it. So, and then we have variation that some of the consumers pick up on. Um, But other than that, like I'd say, like because of the DNA of the brand, you don't see a ton of variation per market. Got it. Okay. So that makes it a little bit more simple then. So the product for the most part is staying the same. (laughs) So then when it comes to the messaging, then how would you talk to India versus China versus like, I mean, what does that look like crafting? I'm sure you have people that are there obviously like saying, Hey, this is how to best do it. But like, is there any way you can kind of highlight what those differences are? Yeah. I think something that you have to realize in the digital space is that you cannot shoot lifestyle imagery in purely the United States and expect that to resonate. Uh, It just doesn't work and it's not something you can do. So making sure that you shoot local content that's relevant to the regions and putting that up so people relate to it, they see the brand in themselves. And that I'd say is probably the biggest focus for our brand inside of the digital space is making sure that we are not just putting it forward since we are a US, US-based brand. We're not just putting that in every single region, expecting that to resonate. Uh, and then the messaging, again, for us stays pretty specific to our message. But then it's, you know, there's certain phrases that are different or don't resonate. Uh, so we change those and modify based on market feedback. So we have people in every market that are telling us, you know, that catchphrase doesn't mean anything here if it's translated. Yeah. So I Felicia doesn't work in India. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No idea. Makes sense. So yeah, it's stuff like that you have to be very cognizant of and, and making sure your translations are right is another thing. Um, and making sure they're reviewed in market 
because a lot of the time, you know, in one instance, we found that our German translation was a mix between really formal and informal. And so we didn't have one message or voice inside the market. And so making sure that that's, you know, something that we do quality checks on, we focus on, and we don't take that lightly as a component of how we show up in the region is also important. Yeah. My family is from Germany and every time I'm around my aunt and uncle, they mix like German with English and they're like, but sometimes it's fine to use this one, but sometimes it's not. And I was like, this is too much. I don't know. (laughs) Like Like, I'll just stick with what I know. (laughs) Oh, that. So I was watching an interview with this guy, Mr. Beast, who has this like huge YouTube channel. And he talked about how he essentially found influencers within different countries and they were dubbing his videos and how that just like took off. And so are you all tapping into these kind of like local influencers in different markets? Um, Like, especially like China, I'm imagining like that probably seems like that's like the way to sell is like get in front of an influencer. But have you found any success with that? Yeah, absolutely. China specifically, uh, Korea also is a big one in which we found success of making sure that we're targeting the right influencers in the right space, not just picking again, one like US-based celebrity that is our focus. We're actually making sure that when we do like collaboration specifically, we want to make sure that those have relevance for every different type of region. So there's some collabs that aren't as popular here, but they resonate inside of Korea or inside of China. And we make sure that those are just as much of a focus, uh, especially if they're in tandem with an influencer or a celebrity there, that they are, you know, inside of the same ones we do inside of the U.S. So that's absolutely critical is that it's not just... (laughs) focused in one region. It's across the board and everybody kind of gets the same moment to be excited about the brand. Yeah. I mean, this is so fun for me just thinking about like how to do this on a global effort. And it'd be so interesting to show your campaigns all next to each other, like what it looks like in different (laughs) markets. I mean, it'd be fascinating to me anyways, but just like so much, so many little tweaks that you have to make to make sure it, you know, connects with the customer and personalizing, like you said, and that's cool. No, I I applaud our brand team. They do an incredible job of making sure that they know what's happening in each region and what they're looking for and who to talk to and how to make sure that we're we're speaking to everybody. So good. Okay, so this is another question I like to ask around what are some maybe big bets in digital that you and your team are making right now? And you're like, who knows if it might pay off? I think so, but it's like a pretty big (laughs) lofty goal right now. And we're testing quite a few things. Like, does anything come to mind for that? Yeah, you know, I think we're always making big bets in digital and sometimes they pan out, sometimes they don't. I'd say right now, you know, the big one is CDP. I think that everyone has been talking about a CDP for ever. And I feel like not everybody knew exactly what it meant. They just like the term. And what it meant to them. And <laughs> a CDP. Yeah, exactly. They just <laughs> throw it around. So that's a big one for us because I think we finally honed in use cases thought about how we would use it to propel us from a digital space. And so that one, I think if we can figure that, especially with the cookie world coming up, this is going to be, I'd say, big moment for us if this can work and, and we can make it be the right utilization for us. The other one that's a little bit more of, I'd say, future state for us is looking at going headless. So again, another term that has been thrown around quite a bit and whether or not people are actually adopting it or not adopting it or hybrid solutions, not, uh, but it's a goal for us still. And something I think that would give us momentum to move across channels. So if we can have a headless CMS and a headless website and a headless app, then all of it just 
kind of transcends and allows us to be super flexible, which is kind of the goal of digital, right? Is adaptability and flexibility. So that I think is my other one that I'm I'm really excited about. It's taking us a while to get there, but I think we're going to make some uh, good strides in 23. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two big, big, good lofty ones. I love it. Yeah. Thinking about the CDP, like how are you thinking about kind of organizing that and what data are you maybe most excited to collect? And like, give me a bit of the behind the scenes of like, what is the, you know, golden like North star of this project? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think what, you know, going back to my point about MVP. So we're really trying to take this one down, like, and not get too excited about it and over engineer it. Uh, so we're kind of making sure that we bring in, we obviously have an amazing analytics team that is kind of mapped out all the fields that we need to be able to stitch and identify our consumer, which is the big use case, right? Is the fact that if you use four different emails and you've registered an account and not registered an account and you've called the call center, you've purchased in retail, ideally we should be able to collect all of that so that we can service you better when you come to our website. We know more about your purchases. Our customer service agent can help you better with all of your orders. So I'd say goal number one is to be able to unify your profile so we can service you better as a consumer. And then secondary, we have basic use cases that we want to start with. Things like sandal shoppers or, you know, I'd say like gibbets interest, things like that, that we can start with. Then I think the goal is to start to move into the more complex segmentation and communication uh, with the consumer. But we're really trying to kind of move step by step so we don't get lost in the engineering of the tool, which can happen and and that has happened to us. Yeah. So that sounds smart. Sounds like a good plan. I'm very bullish on you guys doing that. So (laughs) yeah. Not very exciting, but no, I mean, you know, exciting to all of the digital nerds out there. Yeah. I mean, I think it sounds like getting that foundational piece right. I mean, it's just been something that everyone's kind of been talking a lot about for the past couple of years. And yeah, it just it made it sound so easy of like, oh, yeah, you just need to go and do this. And it's like, mm, there's some things behind it that you need to like plan for and like stages till you get to that state. And well, and that's where we got stuck so long with, I mean, we've been talking about CDP since I've arrived at Crocs and I think we got stuck with use cases. We tried to make them too complex, We tried to over-engineer them, and then we couldn't decide on how to even move forward because it was so daunting and so huge of a project that we just didn't do anything. (laughs) So finally, we backed it out. We analyzed it. We spent enough time figuring out, like, we can just start at a base and keep moving forward and then start doing things like affinity matching, which will be super exciting, but we have to start at point A Mm -hmm. to even get there. Yep. Yep. That's good. I love it. Well, Felice, this interview has been super fun. I really have loved hearing where Crocs has come from, where it's going, all the things you all are doing in digital. So thank you for hopping on the show today, sharing everything you all are up to. And until next time, where can our listeners and viewers find you and uh, Crocs? Sure. Crocs, we have, I'd say, every social channel you can think of on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, then also our website and our mobile app, which is super exciting. Any digital space you want to reach Crocs, we are hopefully there. And then I am on LinkedIn um, under Felice Pappage, so people can look me up there. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for your time. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.
thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.